the five blokes. I am back today for another Arsenal bloke blog. And today I wanted to talk about the Invincibles. In particular, I wanted to talk about how good were the Invincibles really. There's a lot of, the, the Invincibles are every Arsenal fan's go-to response to anyone kind of talking shit on, on Arsenal, uh, mine included in some cases. However, I recognize that Arsenal aren't very good. And I think most of the blokes, it's, it's a known fact that we didn't really follow soccer probably until 2005, 2006, something like that. And we really didn't have any means of even watching games until 2012. So it's hard to say that even like maybe Nate was following that early. Maybe, maybe Nemo was, I don't know. Um, I didn't start following really until about 2009, which is when I would have started high school. And the only reason I followed it was because I got FIFA for the first time and I played it like crazy. And I obviously liked soccer. So this Arsenal team, uh, known as the Invincibles is something that I didn't know much about. Uh, in, in, in all honesty, I just know that they didn't lose a single game throughout the whole season. I knew bits and pieces here and there. Obviously, Thierry Henry led the line, Dennis Bergkamp, Robert Pires, folks like that were, were all over the team and led the line. But I, I also know that from playing FIFA and just from doing research here and there. And I've never actually done a deep dive into who the Invincibles were, how good they were. I'm curious how they stack up against today's teams and and also the state of the league and then how it's evolved and everything like that. Uh, so I'm going to go into who the Invincibles were, uh, why they were so good, where they were good, where they were bad, uh, where some of the things are that weren't impressive or, or maybe it turns out I think this team would win the league today. Um, and that's where I'm going to go with it. it it's just a deep dive into the Invincibles really for my own learning and hopefully for everyone else as well. So getting off uh, the foot, the, the Invincibles themselves. So there's actually two teams that are known as the Invincibles. Uh, there is the obvious one, the Arsenal team from 2003-2004 Premier League season. And then the original Invincibles were actually from Preston North End in 1888. Uh, and 89 season, they uh, took on the, the title, the Invincibles, after they not only went undefeated in the league, uh, the, the top flight league, they were also undefeated in, uh, in domestic cup play as well. I think it ended up only being like 24 games or something like that, but they ended up being undefeated across all competitions or at least across the, the domestic cup. At the time, it was likely only the domestic cup in the Premier League or the top flight league at that time. So it wasn't as many games, it's 1800s, right? But it's it's cool to know that there were other Invincibles out there. I didn't know about that when I came in. So there's there's two teams known by that. And then Arsenal being the Invincibles in 2003, 2004, they only went undefeated in the league itself. And I'm going to get into where some of the losses that they had. Uh, they did end up losing uh, a few times in, in that season itself. But they got the moniker from going undefeated in the Premier League, 38 games, 26 wins, 12 draws, and zero losses. McAuley, John Terry, Frank Lampard, uh, Petit, Crespo, and uh, I realized in doing my digging, they had one Robert Huth, who, uh, fun fact, is, is the player that eventually helped lead Leicester to their 2016 title, which I think is pretty crazy that he was part of this. Uh, he was in the league playing for Chelsea in 2003, and 13 years later, he ends up lifting the trophy with Leicester, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then you, you go over and you look at United's roster also, all over the place in terms of legends uh, at the team. And, and even though they 
they, they had just lost Beckham. They still have the likes of Rio Ferdinand, uh, Ruben Nestleroy, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo just joined them. Uh, and, and another fun fact, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made 13 appearances in the 2003-2004 uh, season for United. And, uh, and, and this is also the season prior to Rooney joining United. So Rooney is currently playing his final season at Everton at the time. And Everton go on to finish uh, uh, just outside of relegation. So they ended up finishing this league 17th place. And Everton's one of the only teams to never be relegated. One of, I think, six teams to never be relegated. And uh, they, they were tight this season. Uh, and so that's, that's, where, that's where the league stands. Um, now, Arsenal, they have the likes of Thierry Henry, Robert Perez, Dennis Bergkamp, Patrick Vieira, Sol Campbell, all people who are returning to that team and who have made a big impact. They got second place the year before. Uh, by only five points. So it's not like they weren't in the running already, but some of those signings that they made proved to be pretty critical in terms of going on to, to win the league, but also in, in terms of going undefeated. So when you look at Arsenal and how they did, or really in reality, just how the league ended up turning out, Arsenal ended up winning the league with 90 points and four games remaining on the schedule. They finished, I, I previously mentioned, they ended up finishing the season 26 wins, 12 draws, and zero losses. And they only had two more wins than uh, second place Chelsea at the time. But Chelsea ended up having the second fewest losses in the league with seven and only finished the league with 79 points. So Arsenal ended up taking it by 11 points effectively, four games remaining, all that lines up. And then you look at how Arsenal performed. Uh, Thierry Henry... 30 goals, six assists. He played in 37 games, which is pretty crazy at the time. He ended up having uh, the, he also ended up having the, the highest goal, uh, goal and assist value in the league. Uh, and uh, out of Arsenal's 73 goals, uh, that means he was involved in, in nearly 50% of them, which is absurd. I, I didn't compare those numbers today to what the likes of some of these uh, superstar players are like Mohamed Salah or, or Sadia Mane, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, folks like that, but 50% of all of Arsenal's goals this season had to do with, uh, with Thierry Henry. Uh, Jens Lehmann is an interesting one. He was brought in uh, on a whim. Uh, there was an anecdote that I, that I read where, uh, where Arsene Wenger called Jens Lehmann personally and, and just talked to him. Uh, and eventually Arsene Wenger, they just had a good enough conversation to where Lehmann decided to join the team. And, and he ended up being the starting goalkeeper. He played in every single game that season as the goalkeeper that was transferred in and purchased. He ended up getting 15 clean sheets, which did end up getting him the Golden Glove. But the Golden Glove wasn't an award, actually, in 2003, 2004. It wasn't an award until the, the following season, which I'll get into a little bit. Uh, but Jens Lehmann did end up having the most clean sheets in the league. And that's due to him being a quality goalkeeper, but also due to the likes of Sol Campbell, Colatore, Patrick Vieira sitting in front of him. Uh, so... All of that being said, Arsenal ended up playing a, a modified 4-3-3 throughout the league, uh, and, and they did this pretty exclusively. Uh, it, it, it's listed as a 4-4-1-1, but when you really look at the contributions that the likes of Pires uh, and, and Lundberg made uh, versus the contributions of uh, Vieira and Gilberto Silva, uh, it, it really looks more like 
a 4-3-3 variation with Dennis Bergkamp playing at the cam, Pirezia and, and Lumberg playing uh, on, on each wing, Thierry Henry as the out-and-out striker, and then Vieira and, and Silva really playing in behind and solidifying the team. So that, that is what it looked like. It was, it was Pires on the left, Henri on the, in the middle, Freddie Lumberg on the right, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp, Gilberto Silva holding down the midfield, and then Ashley Cole, Cola Torre, Sol Campbell, and Laurent playing on uh, in the back line as, as four straight back, and then Jens Lehmann in the goal. They ended up being the most popular lineup. And the lineup itself, when you look at it, is, is pretty crazy. The, the likes of Henri, he obviously shredded the league. 30 goals, six assists is insane, even by today's standards. And that was more than any other Arsenal player by far. Robert Pires had the second most goals at 14, uh, also netting eight assists. But nobody else on the team had more than five goals uh, other than those two. Uh, the likes of Dennis Bergkamp, I think Patrick Vieira, and, and I want to say Silva each had a handful of assists. Bergkamp obviously had, I think he had seven or eight assists, but only maybe four goals. And then Patrick Vieira, Silva, those types of folks had uh, had handfuls of assists here and there, handfuls of goals. But for the most part, uh, when you think about the 73 goals that were scored and Henri and, and Pires combined for 44, that leaves 30 goals split between the other nine players on the field and, uh, and bench and reserves. They, they had a pretty healthy rotation through their midfield as well, but this was really the, the solidified lineup that, that they played with, uh, that they led with, and that they used at any time that they, they absolutely needed to not lose. And I think saying not lose is the most important part here because a lot of their games, they were playing to make sure they didn't lose, not necessarily that they won. There was a lot of reliance on Thierry Henry and a lot of reliance on that front line in order to make things happen, but they got the job done. So speaking of not losing, the, the one thing I really wanted to get into was understanding how close the Invincibles were to losing. When I see 26 wins, that's a lot of wins. At least it, it feels like a lot of wins. When I see 12 draws, I think to myself, wow, that's, that's a lot of draws. In fact, the record for most draws in the league is somewhere between 17 and 18. There's a season out there that they played 42 games in where the record is 18. And then in a 38-game 30, season, it's 17 draws. So they were only five draws away from tying the record for most draws, which makes me think that they really got out on the skin of their teeth. And so I wanted to analyze where Arsenal were, how they did, where did they scrape by, where did they how did they figure out not to lose and, and how did they go about doing it? So you look at some of their critical games or just their stats in general about where, like, where did Arsenal fall short or where did they, where did they struggle? Arsenal through the entire season in 2003, 2004, they were only ever losing for a total of 233 minutes, which is less than 7% of total game time and that doesn't include stoppage time so it's even less than that and their longest run of of trailing was 64 minutes against spurs which takes up a quarter of that total time that we talked about and that goal came in the second minute i believe and then arsenal ended up tying it up and then eventually winning that game 2-1 uh, but they tied it up in like the 64th minute or something and uh, or i guess the 66th minute technically and 
They never once tra trailed by more than a single goal throughout the Premier League season. I was interested in how did they do against the top four teams? I expected all most of those draws to come from these top four teams in order to keep that unbeaten run. Uh, and so I looked at the other top four teams that finished this season, which would have been Chelsea, United, and Liverpool. And against those top four teams and in those six games throughout the league, they ended up beating Chelsea both times, they ended up beating Liverpool both times, and then they ended up drawing United twice. So I went through all the highlights. There's a really great channel on YouTube that has the highlights of every game in, uh, of that season. And I went through all the highlights of all 38 games, mostly focusing on the ones that ended in draws. And I tried to pick out the games that were relevant to understanding when Arsenal were close to losing. And three games came up uh, to mind. The first two are both against Portsmouth. And they tied Portsmouth twice that season. Uh, they tied them on September 12th, and they tied them on May 4th. The first one, not as exciting. They, they were losing. And they were losing for not even that long. I think they were losing for about 20 minutes. But the game was relatively even kilter. There wasn't a lot going on. The game was there, and it was being played. But no one was really pulling any punches, and, and there weren't any clear chances of attack. And then just before halftime, Henri ended up uh, getting awarded a penalty, going to the spot and, and hitting a goal to tie the game. And then the second half was, was ordinary and, and the game ended 1-1. So not that, not really not even that close to losing that game, but that's one of the closest games they had. The other Portsmouth game that happened on May 4th, the only thing of note here is uh, that one also ended 1-1. Arsenal were never trailing in that game. And the, the point of note here is that when they were tied, it wasn't late in the game, I wouldn't say, but in the second half, Portsmouth did have a 1v1 opportunity with Jens Lehmann where the Portsmouth attacker kicked it straight into Jens Lehmann's chest. And, and Jens Lehmann was able to dive on it and, and get under it. And that was it. That was the most exciting part of that game. And those are the two Portsmouth games that are, that are of interest, but even those two games really weren't they weren't at dire, dire need of potentially losing. They had the game relatively under control, or at least they had no concerns of conceding throughout the course of that game. And so they're not even that exciting. Then you get to September 21st, 2003, when they played United. It's referred to as the Battle of Old Trafford. It's the defending champ versus the, uh, the second place team, a big excitement. Arsenal and United had a big rivalry throughout the nineties or at least kind of a rivalry. United obviously dominated it, but they, they had a rivalry through the late nineties and early two thousands. And so those games were always big games. When I was watching the game uh, or the highlights of that game, I should say United absolutely dominated it. Arsenal, uh, even the, the commentators even noted that, that Arsenal were playing for a tie, it felt like, or they were at least playing in a way that was defensive where they would let Thierry Henry and the likes of Pires try to make chances happen more or less on their own, but focus primarily on having a strong defense to hold back that, that attack from the likes of Ruben Nisseroy, Cristiano Ronaldo, Skulls, et cetera. And it worked. Uh, until about the 80th minute when Patrick Vieira ended up getting sent off. He got a second yellow card 
and was sent off with a red. Uh, Arsenal were down to 10 men for the last 10 minutes. Arsenal were able to continue the streak, continue to hold them off. And then in the 90th minute itself, Diego Forlan, of all people on United, uh, ended up making a cutting run straight through the penalty spot and, uh, and was fouled by one of the Arsenal center backs, which sent Ruben Nisselroy to the penalty spot in the 90th minute. Debatable call if you want to look it up. Uh, in today's game, they probably would have called it, especially with VAR. But uh, back then, the, the type of things you could get away with was completely different than what you can get away with today. So Ruben Isteroy steps up to the spot, and he slams it, and I mean slams the ball, right off the crossbar, bounces outside the 18. The ball's in play. It's an absolute hectic mess. Players are all over each other because they didn't like the call. Coat and managers are trying to keep their players in check. And eventually, a few seconds later, the game ends nil-nil. That is the closest they got to ever losing a game that season in all 38 games, which I think anyone who's listening would agree that that's pretty damn close. A penalty in the 90th minute with Ruud van Nistelrooy, of all people, uh, a legend of the game missing uh if somewhat notable he actually missed his previous two penalties as well uh so that made three penalties in a row that he missed and that would have ended their unbeaten run really early in the season september 21st which is where most of the unbeaten runs have ended since then but that didn't happen and arsenal went on to more or less comfortably take the rest of the games they had that season they they tied the ones they needed to tie but like i said they they didn't really trail much They typically would get a goal up, play solid defense. Sometimes they'd concede, they'd take the draw, they'd move on. And sometimes they would take the win. The likes of Thierry Henry getting 30 goals and six assists was the biggest pivotal thing for them to to have somebody who could go out and just do things on their own and go and just create opportunities. He was unbelievable watching the highlights from that season. I didn't know how good he was until I watched all these games. And he was truly ridiculously unbelievable. And he was the, the type of player who could do it all. He scored he scored so many good goals uh, and, and goals against other teams. He was extremely, he was definitely a clutch player. He came up big in the big games and so did the rest of the team. And that's ultimately what led them to win the games they needed to win. And their defense held down to, to tie the games that they needed to tie. And that's really it. Like the, in terms of the season itself and how exciting it might've been or how close Arsenal ever were, it, there weren't all that many opportunities for them to lose. You know, 233 minutes, the whole season they were down and, and have a quarter of that was for one game. So they, they really had control of the season the entire time. So now we look at what I was most interested in, which is, how do the Invincibles compare to the other teams that got close to also becoming Invincibles? And that's what I focused on mostly is the teams that got the closest to being Invincibles. So there are no United teams that got the closest to being Invincibles. United, fewest losses United had in a season was, was during their big run where they won 13 titles and they still lost three games. Uh, minimum throughout that time. And so I'm focusing on those three teams that absolutely got the closest. 
And so I'm focusing on those teams that got the closest, which is a fun stat to look at. And I was also curious, whenever you have these, these record-breaking seasons of these teams that do amazing things, or at least over the past five years, you always hear about all the records they're breaking. And so I, I wanted to know, okay, this Arsenal Invincibles team, they were this good. They went undefeated. What records did they break? They broke one record and it's fewest losses in a season. That's the only record they broke. That's it. They ended up having 73 goals, uh, four, 26 goals conceded, 15 clean sheets, a pretty a pretty standard team nowadays in terms of being good in, in the league. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to look at those three teams that did get the closest. And those three teams are uh, the Chelsea team from the following season, actually, uh, 2004, 2005, the Liverpool team from 2018, 2019, and the Manchester City team from 2017, 2018. So two of those three teams are in the past five years. And one of them was just following the Invincibles themselves. Chelsea, if we start with them that following season, were an absolute defensive masterclass. And the only loss they had was actually to Manchester City, who were still a terrible team at the time. I believe they lost 2-1. They did break more Premier League records than, than this Invincibles team did. They only conceded in 38 games. 38 games. They conceded 15 goals. It's less than a goal a game they conceded and they had 24 clean sheets. So in the remaining 14 games of that season, they conceded 15 goals. And both of those are Premier League records. It was also the year that they introduced the Golden Glove. Petr Cech won it for the first time with those 24 clean sheets, which is insane. When I saw those stats, 15 goals allowed in a season is crazy to me. And then you look at how many points they had. They ended up with 95 points. That's five more than what Arsenal did for the Invincibles. And they ended up beating Arsenal by 12 and Manchester United by 18 points on the season itself. So when I looked at that, I thought to myself, well, if one team was going to go undefeated, a team that concedes the fewest goals in history and gets the most clean sheets seems like the one to do it. But they still couldn't pull it off. They lost to Manchester City of all things. And you can't bring your A game to everything, but they lost to Manchester City of all teams back in the day, which was a team on the brink of relegation every season. Then you move on to the team that I think is the most interesting to talk about, which is this Liverpool 2018-2019 team. I remember when this season ended and when Manchester City won the league and looking at the table after the fact and, say, and seeing that Liverpool had only lost one game. They got second place and they lost one game. Add insult to injury, they had 97 points on the season. They scored 89 goals and only conceded 22. They had the Golden Glove winner in Allison. They had two of the three Golden Boot winners, Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, both tied with 22 goals with Aubameyang. They had the Player of the Year in Virgil van Dijk. And their only loss was to the team that beat them in the league, which was Manchester City 2-1. So if that game goes any other way, whether it be Liverpool winning or tying that game, Liverpool actually end up taking the title this season. 
because City only beat them by one point. They had 98 points on the league. And Liverpool ended up being the only team in history that season to not win the league and score 90-plus points. This is where I was a little bit blown away. I didn't realize how decorated that Liverpool team was. I realized how good they were, obviously. But to have both Golden Boot winners and the Golden Glove winner and a center back as the player of the year and, and only lose one game and still not win the league, I think it's pretty easy to say that that team was the most decorated team in history to lose the league. Sorry, Nima. They were fun to watch. That was the season where Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah just absolutely went off. It was when Virgil van Dijk had established himself as the best defender in the league. It was a really fun season to watch, and even Manchester City was insanely good. But they were coming off of, of the next season that I'm going to talk about, and, and their two-peat. They had seven more points than Arsenal did in their invincible season. City had eight more. They, they didn't have a player like Thierry Henry, who was scoring 30 goals and getting all those assists. But still, this Liverpool team from 2018-2019 was insane. And they were only let down by the fact that they just drew too many games. So now we get to the last team, which is the Manchester City 2017-2018 team, better known as the Centurions. They, uh, everybody wants a title when you do something good. But they earned it. They broke so many records across the board. They broke the record for most points, notably 100. That's why uh, they're known as the Centurions. They ended up breaking the record for most goals at 106. And they had the top four league leaders in assists. They had Kevin De Bruyne, Leroy Sané, David Silva, and Raheem Sterling. Those were the top four contributors for assists in the league. They combined for 53 assists on those 106 goals. And the fifth place league leader for assists, Riyad Mahrez, who they purchased that year for the next season. And when I talk about a team that was actually very fun to watch, that's when you started to fall in love with Kevin De Bruyne. He was unbelievable. And that was when Manchester City had solidified themselves as the top of the league. And moving forward, they continued to win. They've won, I believe, three titles since then. And on top of those records, they broke the record for most wins at 32. So 32 wins. Uh, insane. Uh, they ended up with two losses. So four draws and they had the most consecutive wins at 18. I remember that run. And I remember thinking this is insane They had the highest goal differential at plus 79 plus 79. There's teams that don't even score 79 goals and their goal differential is plus 79. They had the fewest minutes behind in history at 153. So remember Arsenal were, trailing for 233 minutes and in, in the invincible season. And this city team was only trailing for 153. And they had the largest winning margin in history, beating United by 19 points on the table. If there was a record to be broken, this team pretty much broke it when it comes to team-based records. And they were really fun to watch. And even this team lost two games. So when you look at those three teams that got closest to having an Invincibles type season and you compare them to the Invincibles and you also take the Invincibles and you compare them to 
the best teams that have played in the Premier League. That Centurion City team is definitely up there. The, the Invincibles are not as good as, as those teams. But they're not bad teams, nor are they anywhere close to a bad team. They're actually an incredible team. They just don't compare to the best teams in history. They ended up getting these they ended up getting the title of Invincibles because they did go undefeated, which takes more than just talent, but rigor and, and the ability to persevere and keep moving forward. And that is what eventually propelled them to, to win the title. So they were an excellent league champion, but going up against the likes of this Centurions team or this Liverpool team, or even this Chelsea team the following season, they were no match. The Chelsea, the, the following season is a perfect example. Uh, Arsenal lose the league by 12 points. I think they have five losses. And then you look at these teams of the modern era, the Premier League, and I don't know how they would, I don't know how they would fare. I think they would compete, but I don't know how they would fare across the board. And so in order to understand how they would fare and, and really how they compare even more, I went and got the average statistics for any team that has won the league since 2003, since Arsenal did it, to, to understand where they sit. The average league winner gets 89 points, 27 wins, four losses, seven draws, and 83 goals. When you compare that to the Invincible stats that I've mentioned a couple times now, the Invincibles ended up with 90 points, 26 wins, no losses and 73 goals, which is almost right on the money for what it takes to win a league title in the past 17 years. So I can't say that they're the best team of all time, but what I can say is they certainly deserve the title. They, they hit the mark for what it takes to win the title. So they deserve the title and they might not compete against the best city team of all time but that's not to say that they wouldn't they wouldn't at least get a top two spot in that type of a league and they wouldn't be competing for that title if you compare those seasons to the three teams that i just discussed and in their respective seasons of course you can't necessarily just throw a 90 point team into a league right that has impacts that would impact the other teams in the league but if you just look at their points Arsenal would have lost the league in 2017, 2018, and 2019. And in fact, they would have gotten third place in 2018 with the finish that they had. Again, that may not even be feasible without having all of the teams at the bottom lose the vast majority of their games. But the point still stands that in 2008, 2019, this team would have gotten third place and they still would have been invincibles. Now, I don't think you can call yourself invincibles if you don't actually win the title, but we don't have to talk about that, luckily. And more than that, I wanted to know what the impact of the rest of the world had on the team in terms of how they compare, because it's known fact Arsenal went undefeated in the season. That's the whole point they got the title. But they did lose in the middle of that 38-game run. They lost in the FA Cup knockout stages uh, to United 1-0. They ended up losing to Chelsea in the Champions League semifinal second leg game 2-1. So they lost on aggregate. They, uh, they tied them 1-1 in the first game. 
And the, the more interesting one is in the Champions League group stage, they were paired uh, in, in the same group with Inter and they ended up winning the group, but they lost to Inter twice in the group stages. One of the games they lost three, nothing. And the other game they lost five to one, which to me was crazy that a team that is known to be this good would lose five, one and three nil. Now Inter's no chump, but still interesting. And I can only help but wonder how that impacted the, the, the back half of their Premier League season. Because nowadays you have teams that look for the, the treble. Not that this team wasn't looking for the treble, but you've got teams that are looking for the treble. And so you have teams like Manchester City that, are, that have a team that arguably could get top eight in the Premier League just from their bench alone. And they are so deep that a lot of times they have to risk Premier League losses in order to make sure that they're healthy for the Champions League, which is the one they actually care about. And so I, I do think that that had an impact on them. That being said, they made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. So they were still playing for a while. They made it to the knockout rounds of the FA Cups. So they were still playing relatively deep. But once they were knocked out, they had the ability to let their foot off the gas a little bit and just go after this undefeated run, which it's no secret they did try to do. They, with four games left, they weren't satisfied. Thierry Henry played 37 games. And they won with four, with four games left. So... At the very least, Thierry Henry played three of the last four games. And so they were going for this title. And so when I take a look back and just understand what I was able to dig into and what I understood, the biggest thing that I saw was that Thierry Henry was absurdly good. Not many, te- not many players score 30 goals in a season. Not many players even get six assists in a season. He was able to do that with the likes of Perez and Bergkamp that let him up. And, and those two are obviously legends of their own right. But when I was watching the, the highlights of these games, the biggest thing I noticed was that Arsenal had someone up front who could make things happen completely on their own. Send the ball through. He's fast. He's skillful. He can shoot from anywhere. He had at least, at least five, maybe six, contenders for goal of the season this year and when I say this year I mean like in today's game he ended up scoring against Manchester United it might have been Manchester United or Chelsea I can't recall time ahead now but he ended up scoring against one of the top teams from 35 yards out an absolute bullet of a shot he ended up scoring a free kick to tie the game against Portsmouth from just outside the box, curled one far post, absolute beauty. He ended up running through the entire team all on his own against another opponent and then ended up on the goal line and scored a goal line finish right into the far side net. He had so many goals that were notable and contributed to the team in so many ways that other teams couldn't handle him. And that's the biggest thing I learned was that how good Thierry Henry was and how important it is to have a striker who can do things on their own. And then I look at who was around him. I talked about Bergkamp and Perez. Great compliments. Legends in their own right. And you look just behind them at the likes of Sol Campbell, Patrick Vieri, Colo Torre, which Colo Torre was playing center back for the first time 
in his career at the time. And you can't think of a better three players now when you look back that you'd want to defend your front line. You can think of equivalents, sure. I'm sure folks on that Chelsea team, I'm sure if Nate's listening, he's thinking of a few. But as far as who you want to be in front of your, in, in your goalkeeper, it's going to be pretty hard to get better than that. And so, although they're not the best in history, if you took this team, this Invincibles team, and you dropped them into today's game, I feel extremely confident that they would compete for a title. And it'd be fun to watch. Now, it's a totally different game. You can't compare eras in that way. But when I look back and, and watch, they certainly would do better than what they're doing today. But I think they would compete. And I think that they were a great team, fun team to watch, some of the best Arsenal players of all time. But they are not the best in history. All right, well, that's all I got. That's the Invincibles. I think my next blog will likely be about the Arsenal of the 90s. or. I might dive into Arsenal's 2016 season when Leicester won. I haven't decided yet. But more are to come. This has been fun. As always, you can go to thefiveblokes.com in order to follow us. You can email us if you'd like, but better off just texting us. You can get merch on the website as well as on Etsy. And more blokes will likely have blogs out sometime soon. So otherwise, uh, we'll see you at the next time. And peace. The five blows.